Welcome everyone to Hope City Church. How are we doing this morning? Looking and feeling good today. Hey, my name is Megan Gardner. Thank you for being with us on, I think, the best Sunday of 2021 so far. Because today is the last Sunday of 21 days of prayer and fasting, which means you did it. You made it three whole weeks. Thank you. Big, big thank you to everybody who prayed with us Thank you so much through our social media. You've been praying for your own life, your marriages, your family. Been praying for uh, the people that you know, community, schools, and our nation that we just got done praying for. Thank you for sticking it out with us. And thank you to everybody who fasted for three whole weeks. Some people did an entire cold, I mean nothing, for three whole weeks fast. And today they're like running to the cheeseburger. Like I cannot wait to get those fried chicken wings again. But thank you so much to everyone who did that. We hope that at the end of this experience, now you can look back and be grateful for it and know that it drew you closer to God. What an amazing way to start off our year. Amen. Wonderful. Thank you everybody watching online, experiencing Hope City at home. What a cool opportunity we get in 2021 to sit at home in our sweatpants and be at church. How cool is that? How cool is that? Thank you everyone watching right now. Like I said, my name is Megan Gardner, and we right now are in the middle of a series called Happiness Advantage. How many of you have enjoyed this series so far? We are on week four right now out of our five weeks, and man, has it just been an amazing ride. We are just learning about happiness. Now, I consider myself a very happy person, so I got very excited to speak in this series because people ask me all the time, why do you have so much joy? And my answer to them is because I have Jesus. And some of them look at me like I'm crazy because they're like, what? Like on the outside, I have three kids. I'm only 27. I've been married to one man for eight years. And my fun idea of a Friday night is playing with my chickens and my dogs at home. <laughs> that's it. That's, that's my life. And I love it. But they ask me, you know, does that make you happy? And I say, absolutely. It absolutely does because Jesus is in my life and and that's why I enjoy it so, so much. But that's the question that we've been trying um, to answer throughout this entire series is, does Jesus actually give you a better life? Does he? Jesus? Coulter says other things definitely will give you a better life. And we've heard many of those throughout this series Culture says that money will give you a better life. And I think a lot of Americans or just people in general really do deep down believe that. If you ask yourself, you do believe that money will give you a better life? Because like half of America, well, probably all of America just played that lotto that got to be like 900 bajillion dollars. Like driving on the highway, looking at the billboards and like it can't even fit all the digits. Like the billion doesn't even fit in the billboard. But money, we believe, does give you a better life. Like we, we truly believe that. But we learned in week one with Pastor Jason that Jesus says that focusing your generosity on something eternal rather than something that'll fade away will truly give you happiness. Culture also says that you'll be happy when you find your purpose in life. And then we go on this big hunt to try and find what that is or for someone to tell us what that is. But we learned in week two with Pastor Joe that that the Bible says your purpose is to live with purpose right now, doing exactly what you're doing. And that purpose is sharing hope and joy and the good news with other people. 
Culture also says that you'll be happy when you stop experiencing difficulty. And we try for this perfect life without pain and hard times. We learned with Pastor Katie last week that the Bible says difficulty will never stop. But learning to change our perspective through those hard times will make us thankful and grateful that they happened and will make us happy. So I'm here to tell you today that yes, believing in Jesus will get you into heaven. Absolutely. That if you believe there's a heaven and hell, Jesus is the way into heaven. But that's not all that comes with knowing him and following him. That this life here on earth is meant to be good too. And if you don't believe that yet, that's okay. Most people say that Christianity is restrictive. That it's full of chauvinistic people who are narrow-minded and judgmental. That following a religion like Christianity makes you bitter and unhappy. But even non-Christian scientists and psychologists say that that's just not true. According to Harvard professor Tyler Vanderweel and journalist John Sinniff, those who regularly attend worship services are more optimistic, have lower rates of depression, are less likely to commit suicide, have greater purpose in life, are less likely to divorce, and are more self-controlled than those who don't. In their article entitled Religion May Be a Miracle Drug, they highlighted the physical and mental benefits correlated with regular religious participation. It's science, people. Just last month, Gallup did a poll, and they were asking everyone to rate their mental health after a year like 2020. RIP 2020, we don't miss you. Hard year. And they asked people, rate your mental health compared to the year previous. And every demographic said they were in a worse mental place except people who regularly attended worship services and religious practices. How is that? Why is that? Because Christians believe the scripture in John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But my purpose, God's purpose, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So you decide. And as we are deciding... We're going through the five teachings of Christianity that I believe will lead to that satisfying life that we all crave and desire, backed by scripture and by science. Because isn't that what we really all want? A life full of fulfillment, full of joy, without chaos, a life that we love. So here are the five teachings. Same with me. Generosity is the first one then purpose, say it with me, then gratitude, self-control, and forgiveness. So today, what I want to talk to you about is self-control. And I'm so excited to speak this to you today because we just got out of a three-week fast. (laughs) And we've probably been experiencing a little bit of self-control struggle already throughout these three weeks. It's already on our minds, and what better timing than to have this right now at the end of our fast. Self-control is defined as willpower or restraint exercised over one's impulses, emotions, or desires. So willpower over your emotions, willpower over your desires. 
Research from the American Psychological Association, or APA, has shown that people with strong self-control have better health, relationships, finances, and careers. They are also less likely to have problems with alcohol, drug abuse, procrastination, and unethical behavior. Overcoming temptation also seems to be intrinsically rewarding because people with high self-control are more satisfied with their lives and experience their lives as more meaningful. And that's great. And that's true. But what's also true about self-control and what I think we all know today is that it's not easy. It's not. Don't believe me? Have you ever found yourself in this situation? It's a brand new year, January. Maybe this was you last year. Maybe this was you this year. But your goal, your mission for 2021 is I'm going to go to the gym. And I'm going to work out. And I'm going to lose weight. And I'm just going to get healthier. I need to get healthier. I need to quit eating all this junk food. But I'm going to go to the gym. I'm doing it. This is my year. I'm going to be healthier. And so January run rolls around and you are so motivated Yes, you set that alarm. I'm ready to go. I wake up early. It's awesome. Day one, day two, you looking so cute at the gym. You got your Fabletics on. You are working out. Even in a mask, you look so good. You love going to the gym, working out, Planet Fitness Life. You signed up and got a discount because it's January. It's wonderful. You love it. A whole week goes by and you're smashing it. You're awesome. Week two goes by. I'm killing it. But day 15, you hit that snooze button because today, for some reason, your covers are 25% warmer than they have ever been before. And they smell better. Did we get new laundry detergent? It just feels so good being right here. And then you convince yourself, I've done good. I went to the gym for two weeks straight. That's more than I've ever done before. And you start saying, making excuses. That's exactly why I deserve to stay home. I need a cheat day. I need a day off. It's okay. My muscles are tired. It's fine. It's recovery day. Whatever you want to call it. And boom, cozy covers win. But maybe that's not you. Maybe you're great at exercising self-control, trying not to be lazy. You love the gym. Maybe this is you. Maybe your goal it's for a long and happy marriage. I want to be married to this person, committed to them. I love them. So you get married, and everything is great. They're the spouse of your dreams. She's cooking meals for me. She's such a good cook. Oh, he's so sweet to me. He opens the door for me. Look at him. We're one year in. We're still honeymooning. I just love being out together. Everyone says we're the cutest couple. It's so, so great. But today... A text from your ex pops up on your phone. And you're thinking, it's just a text. It's, it's not a big deal. Or something slides into your DMs, maybe a photo from your text. And today you're convincing yourself, like, oh, you know, we still keep a relationship. You know, I'm not going to be mean. I got to open it. They wouldn't do anything to hurt me. And plus, I'm just looking. I'm not, I'm not actually doing anything. I'm not touching, right? This isn't bad. And you open that up and boom, lust wins. That craving, that desire, that impulse wins. Because we want what we want as people, as humans. 
whether it's laziness or it's lust or it's anger or it's your ego, whether it's an addiction like smoking or overeating or alcohol, whether it's negative thoughts or or degrading talk, the need to be seen or applauded by others, we all have desires within us that are hard to control. It's hard to control our emotions and our temper because we're, we're angry at our spouses when they make us mad. We want to talk bad about the people who have, who have hurt us. They wronged me. It's my right to talk that way and to say those things. I can't help but, but, but lie to advance my career or to cover up a mistake I've made. I have to. As humans, we are born with this nature, with this flaw. No one teaches your kids how to lie. No one taught my son to lie to me. He's born knowing how. Just look at Eve in the garden. One of the very first human beings ever to walk this planet cannot resist having the one thing she's been told not to have because it's who we are. It is sin in our lives. There's desires in your life that are so, so hard to say no to. Now, you might start your day out with a good amount of self-control, and you might convince yourself in your head, I have enough willpower. If it's on my own strength, I can totally overcome this. But at the end of a very hard day, how strong is that power? When you've been at work all day fighting and using your other emotions and resisting these urges all day long, that Ben and Jerry's at the end of the day in the fridge looks really good. The Association for Psychological Science published an article in March that said this. There is scientific evidence that explains this phenomenon of self-regulation or our strength to inhibit impulses, make decisions, or persist at difficult tasks. It can be spent like a muscle that's been lifting heavy weights. When we spend our strength in one task, like trying to control your emotions in a difficult boss throughout your workday, Resisting the urge to gamble, cheat, or lie, or steal, there is less to spend on others later, like avoiding screaming at your kids when you come home, or avoiding, avoiding overeating to cope with your day. And you might decide that you need to stop, but you can't. Why? Because I believe this, that you're only as strong as your greatest temptation that there's a natural part of our DNA that gives in. And there is something out there that you're weak to. Now, it might not be overeating, but it might be anger. It might not be lust, but it might mean I can't control my negative thoughts about myself. So you might not think you have a problem now, but wait until you're faced with it. We have an ability to underestimate our control of ourselves. I don't need a cigarette. I don't need it. I'm good. Go three days without one. We'll see how strong your willpower is. You understand what I'm getting at. There's things in our lives that we can only resist for so long, no matter what it is. And even if you feel like you can stop on your own, my question to you is, what if you can't? What would your life look like if everything fell apart, if people found out 
We see it happen all the time in, in headlines and tabloids. We just, we see what happens when you hide something for so long and finally give in to that temptation. You could risk losing everything. It could ruin your marriage. You could lose your family. You could lose the respect of the people around you that you've worked so hard for. So I want us to all ask ourselves this question. What is something that I'm doing that I don't want to do, but I can't stop? So fill in this blank with me here. I want to stop blank, but I can't. I want to stop lying, but I can't. I want to stop my addiction like gambling, smoking, overeating, but I can't. I want to stop my negative thoughts towards myself. I want to stop shaming myself, but I can't. I want to stop being depressed, but I can't. I give in. I just am that way. I want to stop looking at porn and being angry, but I can't. Not without help. And that's where our advantage as Christians comes into play. The Bible says this in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 9. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who has called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and his excellence, he has given us great and precious promises these are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by, say it, human desires. God has given us his supernatural ability. Verse 5 says, in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence, moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance, patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. See, the difference between self-control as a Christian and self-control as a non-Christian is that we've been given supernatural help by God's spirit to overcome temptation in our lives. We've been given help. The apostle Paul describes self-control as a fruit of the Holy Spirit in Galatians chapter five, which means that when we accept Jesus into our lives and become a Christian, realize that we need a savior and that savior is Jesus, that now the Holy Spirit puts fruit into our lives. It's a benefit of being a Christian and having God's spirit. It's the power that literally raised people from the dead. Lives inside of us. God's Holy Spirit to overcome temptation. The creator of the world not only desires to know you and to love you, but to help you here on earth. But we all know this about fruit, that fruit cannot be made. It has to be grown. A banana isn't just sitting there. It doesn't just exist. It starts out as a little bulb and, and it grows. Fruit grows in your life. And the only way to grow in self-control 
is by spirit control in our lives. Giving God the ability, God the control to help me resist my impulses, my emotions, and my desires. So here's what I mean. There's a story in the Bible in Matthew chapter 4 that I love. It's when Jesus is led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil or by Satan. I love, love, love this scripture because Jesus was specifically led there to be tempted. See, the whole purpose of Jesus coming to earth, he is God, God leaves, God leaves heaven, he comes to earth and he becomes a man, a body, a physical body, was to die for the sin of the world. When he became man, he experienced all the same temptations that we experience. All of the things that you struggle with, Jesus did too. But he overcame them. Here in Matthew chapter 4, we see how. Jesus was tempted by three things. And they're so important. Because it's the same thing you sitting, listening, hearing today are tempted with. The first thing that he's tempted by is hunger. Jesus is led into the wilderness. And Satan comes to him. He's hungry. So hungry. He comes to him and said, hey, there's these rocks. You're God. Turn these rocks into bread. That's super tempting, especially all my people that have been fasting for two weeks. There's Taco Bell. There's McDonald's. Open up the fridge. It looks so good. Temptation is everywhere, and that is instant gratification of the body, the temptation of hunger. I'm not just talking about food here. Understand me. I'm talking about anything that your body physically craves that is bad for you. God has given you the ability to overcome not on your own, with his spirit. Because Jesus looks back at the devil and he says, scripture says that man does not live by bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God. He quoted scripture back to the devil and resisted the temptation to satisfy his body. The second thing that he's tempted by is his ego. Jesus takes him to a tall place and he says, listen, if you jump off here, the angels will surely save you because you are the son of God. Show everyone that you're the son of God by showing them this. That if you fall off this cliff and die, everyone will now know because you've proven to them. Prove to us. Show us with your strength and with God's might that you really are the son of God. That's a big deal. Ego is a huge temptation. Inflating ourselves is a huge temptation that people still struggle with every single day. And the desire is sinful. But Jesus says, scripture says, do not test the Lord your God. I will not. The last way that he's tempted is one of my favorite is materialism or wealth. Things. The devil comes to Jesus and he says, look, I'll show you this entire world in all of its glory. See its kingdom. See its castles. See all of its money. See all of its riches. It's wonderful, isn't it? See that mega million lotto. It's so awesome, isn't it? See those slot machines. They're wonderful. You could have it all. But Jesus says, get thee behind me. He says, scriptures say that you're supposed to serve God and God alone. Because the devil wanted him to bow down to what he was ruler over. And he said, I won't. I serve God and his will, not my own. 
how was he able to overcome the devil? Because his desire for God's will was stronger than his desire for ego, for satisfaction, and for materialism in this world. See, it's important to know that when you follow Jesus, your desires don't go away. It's not a light switch. It's not some magic fairy dust that just means all of a sudden now I'm not going to want to look at porn because I know Jesus. That's not how it works. But as you fall in love with Jesus, he changes what you want. He changes your desires so that you'll want to please God and live a life that pleases him more than you'll want to be angry, look at porn, lie, Talk down to yourself. And this is how we overcome. Because Jesus doesn't change what you do. He changes what you want to do. We say that all the time here at Hope City Church. And we believe it as Christians. It's important to know this. That growing fruit takes time. Do you guys know how long it takes to grow a banana? I didn't either until I looked it up. Nine to 12 months to grow one banana, one fruit. It takes about 2.5 seconds to eat that fruit. Maybe if you add a little bit extra from peeling the banana peel. Nine to 12 months for one banana to grow. Bananas are everywhere. It's important to know that following Jesus, replacing desires, takes time to grow in your life. Even people who followed him, who literally saw him and walked with him, still had, t- had trouble and took time growing in their self-control. David, look at him with Bathsheba. David knew God, loved God, talked with God, and still gave in to temptation. Peter, who walked with Jesus, knew Jesus. It was one of my favorite people in the Bible because he did everything 110%. Like my dude's an intense dude and I love him because I'm that way too. And he reminds me of myself. Peter, when they come to take Jesus away, he takes out a sword and he chops off somebody's ear. My dude loses control trying to protect someone, justifying why he did it. Don't take Jesus away, but lost control in that moment. Same thing when he's tempted by pleasing other people. People come to Peter and say, do you know him? And in the face of temptation, he gives in. No, I, I, I don't know. I don't know Jesus. That's a lie. We all as people struggle to give in to those desires. But with God in control, he helps us overcome them. It takes time. Hear me today. I want to make a point and say this before I end. You look at somebody else and you think, man, their life looks so easy. Christian or not, they must not struggle with the same things I struggle with. What is wrong with me? We shame ourselves and fall into guilt for the mistakes we make. This person over here, I guess they don't struggle with anything because their life seems perfect. But you have no idea how long it has taken them to grow that fruit. They might have been growing this fruit for years, years and years to grow a fruit of self-control. So it's not that they don't have the same desires as you. 
but their desire to please God is stronger than those. So I'm not here today telling you you will never fail. I'm not here today telling you that your human desires go away when you get to know Jesus. Jesus doesn't make life easy, but he makes life better. Better. This life we live is hard. It is full of difficult days. Tomorrow, I cannot promise you, will not be a difficult day. But with God's holy and mighty spirit leading us, it's better than doing it on our own because we have tried. I try. And you might think you can do it on your own by reading enough books or or going to enough meetings and taking enough courses. But what if you can't? I do believe that we're only as strong as our greatest temptation. So I want to ask you these two questions. One of two you can pick. Number one, if you don't know Jesus, would you consider what a life following him would look like today? If you've tried to control your temptations on your own and failed, Would you consider what it would be like putting Jesus in control of those? And number two, if you do know Jesus, but the fruit of self-control is small in your life, which it might be, would you consider today turning self-control into spirit control and putting in the work that it takes to grow that fruit? Here's what's interesting in Matthew 4 about Jesus. Jesus knew scripture. Do you know what is stronger than any force, any temptation in this world? The word of God. And it's not cliche for me as a pastor to say, hey, read your Bible. It's true. I believe in the power of the word of God. I believe reading scripture and speaking scripture over your life helps you not only desire Jesus more than these sinful desires, but helps you overcome them with God's spirit. Put in the work to grow this fruit. I'm not here to bring conviction to you, but if you feel that in the Holy Spirit right now, that's an okay thing because we're human and we are flawed and we need God's help. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, not if, when, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Last thing I'm going to say. When I was 13 years old, just gave my life to Jesus, coming into a youth group. One of my youth leaders was talking to a bunch of us girls, and and I, at that time, really struggled with my image and and struggling with thinking that I was beautiful, as a lot of middle school or young age girls do. I didn't like what I saw, didn't like what I heard, and I tried changing a lot about me to make sure other people liked me. And my youth leader, one Wednesday night, is speaking to all us girls who are struggling with our identity and our image and our negative self-talk with the temptation to hate ourselves. And she says, do you know what the Bible says? 
The Bible says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God himself. I never knew that. And you know what she said for me to do after that was when I go home and I wake up the next day and I look at myself in the mirror and I want to have those thoughts and the temptation comes to hate myself again, remind myself of the scripture. I am fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. And immediately my desire isn't to shame myself, but to believe that to be true. And you know what the best part about that is? is that I'm raising a young daughter now who is seven years old, who I know as a human will struggle with the same temptations to hate herself that I did. But I can teach her scripture that tells her that she is fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. You can't control your smoking addiction. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. There is nothing more powerful than the word of God, but it's our job to do the work to know it. It is more available to us now than ever before. And we don't have an excuse to know our scripture because there's so much life in this life that God is offering us. There's so much joy. There's so much happiness with his strength overcoming temptation in our lives, not by our power or our might alone. There is power in God's spirit So again, if you don't know him, consider what a life living for Jesus would look like. And if you do, turn self-control into spirit control. Because Jesus doesn't change what you do. He changes what you want to do. Let's pray. God, thank you for Jesus. God, I pray today, whoever is hearing me, that if they do not know you, God, they would consider it. Consider the Jesus way. Consider a happy life lived with a desire to please you, to learn from you, to love you. And that God today, for those who do know you and are struggling with self-control, whether they, they just gave their lives to you last week or they've been saved for a while, God, but there's still things in their life that they're struggling to surrender to you. God, I pray today under the conviction of the Holy Spirit that they surrender those things to you. God, that right now today is a new day that we start following you and putting your desires above our own. We start knowing your word and understanding your will for our lives in order to overcome and resist the temptations that come with living in this life. God, give us your control. Let us surrender to you in all that we do today, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.